Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Paydirt, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Paydirt. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. This month, keep an eye out for the Raspberry Bikes Shandy and the Project Haze 6 Imperial IPA. But don't forget, our official beer, the Paydirt IPA, is available right now in Funk's tap rooms. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Bet Online is always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like Major League Baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Paydirt is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black, and the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater wordmark over the heart and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It has Matt McGloin's name and number. It's very fitting as this season of Nittany Lion football marks the 10-year anniversary of that team. Again, head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com. L-E-A-V.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, which is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, head us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037, at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Matt, we're on the heels of a horrible loss for Penn State football this past weekend at the Big House. Penn State drops uh, their first game of the season by a score of 41 to 17. It was a matchup of unbeaten teams, number 10 Penn State versus number five Michigan. Going into this game, you and I had different opinions of this game. I thought Penn State would lose it, but keep it close in that there was a chance that if they were able to slow up the rushing attack of Michigan, that that could really help. Uh, that would have been nice to have seen. Uh, the talent disparity was there, but at the same time, there's so much blame to go around in regards to this game. I know you felt very strongly about Penn State's chances heading into this past Saturday. Uh, this is just demoralizing more than anything. And I know you've been through the ups and downs of Penn State football. Uh, big wins, tight wins, narrow losses, big losses. How does this one feel to you? Yeah, Tom, I don't even know where to begin. You know, uh, uh, an extremely difficult loss. This is going to be one that's very tough to deal with. And when you lose, Tom, it's tough to get over. But when you lose like that, it's something that certainly stays with you throughout the remainder of the season. And you're right. This is a game I, f- I expected them to win this game. I fully expected them to win this game based off the way that they, they have played football throughout the past uh, five games. 
Um, you know, the way this talent has kind of rallied, the depth that they have built throughout the early portion of the season. I, I fully expected Penn State to go out and win this game, put together a great plan, a great game plan. They had two weeks, Tom, to put together a really good game plan, just couldn't get it done. And, you know, it's really both sides of the ball. Um, give credit to Michigan, though. That's that's a very good football team. We talked about how patient that offense was going to be, and they were. Run the football, run the football, take what the defense is giving you, take chances when they're there. Michigan did a fantastic job of picking apart um, you know, this defense. Um, it's just it, it's an extremely frustrating loss for this Penn State team, Tom. And uh, you know, it, it was certainly tough to watch at times. The the worst part about it was Michigan's success running the football to the tune of four hundred and eighteen mm. rushing yards. Mm. I wish I could say this was a surprise. It was something that I brought up in the preview episode regarding this Penn State Michigan game is that this is a team that this is what they do. They racked up mm-hmm. 500 yards rushing last season against Ohio State. The only way you beat Michigan is by stopping the running game. You said it yourself. Can you stop Blake Corm? Can you stop Donovan Edwards? And hell, even JJ McCarthy got in on the act and had a lot of success. And you know, you, you saw the way the Penn State defense played in the first half. It was bend but don't break. It was very reminiscent of what, the way the defense played uh, in 2021. So I felt encouraged going into the second half. Is that like, hey, you're you may be giving up the length of the field, but you're holding them to field goals. You're giving your offense chances at least. And then the wheels completely came off in the second half. Uh, when you look at the Penn State defense. Where, where do you begin to unravel this performance? Well, you're right. It was 16-14 at halftime, right? How, how about, how about Chop Robinson? Yeah, yeah. Great game. As much as, and, much as one could say it was a great game. Yeah, a made game. a lot of great plays, really showed up and, and, and delivered. And we've talked about that time and time again, about he could potentially become one of the better, you know, not just defensive linemen they have, but one of the better defensive players in general that this Penn State team has, Tom. But look, you're right. It's bend, but don't break. Bend, but don't break. But it gets to a certain point, Tom, where you're going to break. When time and time again, you're tested. Time and time again, you're put out on the field and you're forced to make a stop. You're forced to stop a drive. You're forced to hold a three in the red zone. They had to do that again, right? Sometimes the best way to play defense is to have a good, consistent offense, and they certainly struggle there at times today. I mean, I felt like I was watching game plans from from 20, 2021. Mm. Um, you know, we saw the gold, the old quarterback draw got brought back out a few times today. Um, you know, a few blocking mistakes from this Penn State offense. Um, third and four, right? They bring pressure. You have no answer. He's drifting, drifting, drifting. He's trying to throw hot, incomplete pass. Um you know, again, design quarterback runs. Um, it, it just wasn't what we've seen from this Penn State team. It's like when you're, it's almost sometimes time like when they're put in a pressure situation, they revert back to, let's just call this and see if this works. Let's just call that and see if it works. And that's not the way to do it. That's not how you beat Michigan. It's not how you beat a team like Minnesota next week. It's not how that's not the way you're going to beat Ohio state. Again, I go back to the fact that they had two weeks, Tom, to prepare for this football game. And what we've seen and is just that wasn't it today. 
it wasn't it certain certainly left you scratching your head a number of times today. James Franklin is now three and seven at Penn State coming mm-hmm. off of a bye week. I mean, how does that how does that happen? How do, how do you come a, off the Northwestern game? And I, I want to get your answer. But how does how do you come off the Northwestern game? The Central Michigan game as well. Two very uninspiring wins. The Northwestern game, which raised a lot of concerns. Five turnovers. It's in the rain. You understand it. But you play down to a bad opponent. You get a bye. You get a chance to get healthy. You get a chance to get ready for the number five team in America. And you put up a 41-17 to 17 loss. How does that happen? <sighs> Clearly, yeah. I mean, look. There's something has to be going on with the, with the way they schedule these bye weeks, the way they handle these bye weeks, the way they prep for these bye weeks. I mean, are they focusing too much on recruiting throughout that time, Tom? I mean, that, that, that that's a fair question, right? It's something that these colleges do, right? Bye week, we got to recruit heavy. We got to go on the road. We got to do this. We got to do that. Um, you know, you know, you, you, you just wonder what, it's like for a program like Penn State throughout the course of a bye week, you know, are, are you really focusing on the task at hand? And we really have two weeks to prepare Michigan to to prepare for a team like Michigan, as opposed to saying, well, we have a week off here. So, you know, let's take a step back and let's focus on recruiting. Let's focus on some other things rather than saying we got to build a really good game plan here, knowing that we have a difficult opponent. We got to go on the road um, and it's going to be a tough, uh, a tough game. Um, you know, er- early on in this game, though, time you, j- you got the sense that it just it, it was going to be tough to get points. It was going to be tough to earn first downs. It was going to be tough to get yardage in this football game. And they never responded to it. It became very evident in the first quarter, second quarter. The only way Penn State was going to get anything on the board was the big play. And yeah. you get the 62-yard rush by Sean Clifford, which sets you up uh, to go get some points, go get the first touchdown of the game uh, for Penn State, that is. And then you get the pick six out of nowhere from Curtis Jacobs, deflected by the aforementioned Chop Robinson. Yeah. Uh, great bounces, play. A great play, bounces off a helmet. Freak play. Freak play. Again, going into half down two, I was astounded that Penn State had – managed to keep it uh in that you know that to keep it that close was unbelievable um i want to keep things with the the penn state offense because you're touching on you know the the struggles that sean clifford and the offense had um penn state had the ball for a total of 18 minutes and four seconds in this game michigan had for 41 minutes and 56 seconds it's very difficult to get anything done when you're just not on the field period it was three and out three and out three and out how much blame can you put at the feet of sean clifford for this offensive performance you know it's tough tom because when you look at the time of possession you know you certainly want to place a lot of blame on the defense and a lot of that blame on manny diaz you knew what you had to do to compete in this football game and to have a chance to win this football game and it's to stop the run you couldn't do it right the whole entire playbook was at michigan's disposal they stayed ahead of the chains they got positive yards on first down. You didn't know if play action was coming. You didn't know if there's a run was coming. You didn't know if quick game was coming. You didn't know if they were going to take a shot. You didn't know what to expect from this Michigan offense because they succeeded on first down. They succeeded on second down. They got to third and manageable. They created explosive plays. Penn State couldn't convert on a fourth down. What happens the next play? Blake Horn touchdown, right? They took advantage of situations that 
were there for the taking. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how you win football games. That's how you dominate the Big Ten. That's how you win in the Big Ten. And Michigan did that today. So, I mean, look, well, you mentioned how much of the blame can you put on this offense? How much of the blame can you put on Sean Clifford? For, for, for them to have had an opportunity to win this game or to compete in this game or to have a chance to win it in the fourth quarter, they would have had to have continued to get first downs on third and long situations like he did with, with, with Mitchell Tinsley a couple of times mm-hmm. by time, by time, create first down, uh, you know, in the pocket, step up, step up, boom, finds Tinsley for a conversion. He would have con- had to have continued to have done that throughout the course of this game time for them to have stayed. And it's tough. Third, th- third downs are very difficult, especially, especially third and long when it's an obvious passing down against the team. Um, like Michigan. So, I mean, as much as you want to put the blame on a guy like Sean Clifford, and it's easy to point to him because they only scored, you know, 17 points in this game. I put a lot of this on Manny Diaz and that defense for not being able to stop the only thing that they had to stop. And Tom, it's not like it was something that came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it was like, well, I wonder how wonder Michigan's going to win yeah. this football game today. You and I both knew it. Mm-hmm. Any person that talks about college football knew it. Anybody on either that sideline knew it. Anybody in that stadium today, anybody watching the game knew if you stop Blake Corm, you stop Donovan Edwards, if you stop this run game, you have a chance to beat Michigan in Ann Arbor. And it looked like they didn't even prep for it. It looked like they had no idea how to stop that. The tackling across the board uh, for Penn State's defense was bad. It's been rough most of the season, so I continue to point to that. But Manny Diaz's defense was conservative, and it's something you and I have talked about all season long is that there's maybe two or three guys on this defense that can win individually without the benefit of scheme. And because of the uh, very effective play of J.J. McCarthy, I'll give him a lot of credit, the quarterback for Michigan, Play action worked very well to the point that, yes, while you expected the run, you couldn't afford to go completely all out and blitz because Michigan was doing well in the passing game. J.J. McCarthy, for the most part, was making good decisions with the football and being effective and also effective with his legs. So it kind of handcuffed Manny Diaz. Honestly, when I look at this game, Matt, there's blame to go everywhere. And for people that, you know, the the knee-jerk reaction is to be, you know, mad at James Franklin, mad at Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford couldn't do anything. The offensive line was not creating any sort of push to get the running game off the ground. Most of the time, Michigan was living in Penn State's backfield, and credit to them. Then on top of that, there's very little pass blocking, and they have more athletes on the defensive line who can straight up win against Penn State's offensive line. So you saw that continue through through most of the game. Uh, And Sean Clifford was not great. But at the same time, the the weird thing about this, Matt, is that in the third quarter, Joel Klatt was talking about, hey, you know, Sean Clifford's trying to take off and run because they're having success there. Who would have thought that deep in the third quarter in this game, in a desperation moment, you needed Sean Clifford's legs to help you stick around in a ball game against Michigan? It's astounding. I understand so many people have been calling for Drew Aller to be inserted into the game. Granted, he gets in there in the fourth quarter because Sean Clifford had sustained an injury to his right shoulder 
there in the fourth quarter. Uh, they took the helmet away from him. They kept him out for the remainder of the game. Whether or not Clifford was kept out because of legitimate risk for his health or if at that point it was like, game's in hand, we need to get the backup in, okay, fine. But I, I just don't know how much you can really point at Sean and be like, there's the culprit. There's so much blame to go around. You know, it's one of those things, Tom, where, where, where you're in a game like that and sometimes the calls are coming in, they're coming in, and you, you just think to yourself, is this the right call in this moment? Is this the right call in this situation? And and a few times, Tom, you see Sean holding the ball, holding the ball, and then getting out of there, right? His eyes were wandering a few times. A few times he's chasing reads. A few times he looked uncomfortable, let's be honest. And I put that on Mike Yersich. Right Again, I go back to the fact that you had two weeks to prep for this game. The, the whole entire game plan should have been something that Sean Clifford was comfortable with. This is the concept. This is the play. If I get this coverage, I'm here to here to here. If I get that coverage, I'm here to here to here. If I get this coverage by any chance, well, I'm going to check to this and go to this. He should have had an answer for everything that Michigan was going to present. And, and, and at times he didn't. And I go back to a major point in this game, fourth and six, Tom. They take the timeout. Then they come back out and they go for it. And he throws a corner out. And it was an incompletion. Next play, Quorum goes 61 yards for a touchdown. I think of that. And I think, why not just say, let's punt it, pin them deep in a close game? That, that it's, it's moments like that that stick out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you're looking at a six-year quarterback, and I'm not picking on Sean because I do I, I do think he's he's a solid football player and he's done a lot of good things for the program. But at times, Tom, his footwork still isn't very good. That's on Yursich, who's coaching the quarterbacks, who's the offensive coordinator. I mean, at that point in time, Tom, he was seven for 18 for 120 yards. It's your job to prepare this kid week in and week out. It's your job to make this kid comfortable week in and week out. If there's a play that he doesn't like, Tom, it's not in the game plan. Whether you like it or not, I don't care. You're not playing the game like yours. It's Sean Clifford's playing the football game. Give him plays you know he's going to succeed at. Give him plays you know he's going to be successful at. Put him in a spot where he doesn't have to think he can just react and play his game. And a few times today, Tom, whether it was you know, just uncertainty. Again, I'm not taking anything away from Michigan defensively because they did a really good job, right? That's a good football team. But he just didn't look like the guy we've seen throughout the past few weeks of the season. And we've talked a lot about that, Tom, because of how good the run game has been, how solid um, that, that, that run you know, game plan has been, that he's been able to take a step back, find completions, um, you know, find wide receivers downfield has done a really good job of completing passes. He didn't look like that guy today. He just looked uncomfortable. He looked off. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code 
paydirt at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code paydirt at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 paydirt 15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. And, and again, it comes back to this offensive line, granted, incrementally better than last season, but that's not saying a ton. Uh, the, the run blocking is still not good. The pass blocking is not good. Um, it's something I've talked about through most of the season is that whatever Singleton and Allen have been able to accomplish as rushers so far this season, it's been very promising. And I've hearkened back to the likes of Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders as two guys who were able to overcome not so great offensive lines because they were such great talents. Singleton and Allen are still freshmen. They are exceptional talents. I saw a lot of people on social media saying, oh, maybe they regressed. They didn't have a lot of chances. And on top of that, I do come back to Mike Yurcich because I think he hit the nail right on the head. A lot of off-tackle runs trying to capitalize on getting to the edge on one of the best defenses, not only in the conference, but in America. And it's something you and I have talked about for a few weeks now is that there's a lot of games where these running backs, whether it be Singleton, Allen, Kevon Lee, where they're having to break multiple tackles at the first or second level in order to then break a big run, break a touchdown. We knew that wasn't going to work against Michigan. There, there wasn't much of a feel-out phase for Penn State. No. You saw Michigan early in the game, Tom. Run, run, quick game, quick game, trying to hit a shallow cross, quick game, right? For Penn State, there wasn't any of that there. Mm-mm. That's something we called for. Call plays you're confident with. Call plays you're comfortable with. Call plays that you know these guys can run any time of the day, right? Plays you know are going to be successful. They didn't do that. They just looked off from the first snap in this game. It's it's almost like, Tom, you know, they didn't want to make the big mistake. You got that impression, right? Uh, you know, and it's, you just, you wonder what they were trying to accomplish, especially early in that game. And then, you know, but by by you know the third quarter, it's kind of like, all right, well now we need to abandon the whole entire game plan because we're falling behind here very quickly. We not we need to try to, we need to try to do this. We now need to try to do that, and you know by that time it's too late. Yeah, the the bomb to Harrison Wallace there in the third quarter, which is not a lot of potential throw, a lot of potential there. Yeah, there, there's. There's some silver linings to this game. I don't want to say it's all doom and gloom. <laughs> There's some, and we'll, we'll get to them, of course. Uh, and we, We've talked about uh, Clifford a bunch, and it's a scenario that Penn State fans have been dreaming of, that Drew Aller would get into the game and replace Sean Clifford. It didn't exactly happen to the way that I think many Penn State fans have dreamed it. As I mentioned, uh, Sean Clifford sustained an injury to his right shoulder, his throwing shoulder, was pulled from the game, and they put in Drew Aller. Drew Aller did not have a lot of opportunity to do much. He had obviously multiple possessions, but like, as I mentioned, the way the offensive line played, the, the lack of openings for wide receivers, guys just were not getting open, and, and Drew Aller just didn't look breathtaking in this moment. He looked okay at points, but just, you know, the moment was, was big, and this Michigan defense was playing very well, give them credit. 
Is there anything that you look at this performance by Drew Aller and you take away something that's, you know, overwhelmingly good or bad? No, I don't think so. Look, it, it, it's an extremely difficult position to be put into on the road. You're losing by, by, you know, two, three scores, Tom. And it's kind of like, all right, go out there, kid. And let's just throw the football around and see what you can do. See if you can create some type of spark. If you can create some type of energy here for this offense, if you can put points on the board, it's not, it's not, a, it's not an ideal situation for a guy like Drew Allar, Tom. Um, but again, if you want to take out a positive, it's good experience. A kid got experience playing against, you know, one of the better football programs in America. Got experience playing on the road uh, against a team like Michigan. Um, but uh, for anybody that was thinking, hey, Drew Aller's going to come in and save the day here and, and and complete pass after pass and explosive play after explosive play, put points on the board and you know lead us all back. It's not it's not really that fair um, to put that on that kid. Um, we talked about that. If it, if it were close, Tom, and they weren't doing anything offensively, would we see Alar? Yeah, maybe. But at that point in time, the game was the game was out of hand. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Now, Tom, I will say that um, you lose a game the way you lost to Michigan, not being able to do anything offensively. Your starting quarterback really had, didn't do much in that game. You're now forced with the question: All right, do we move on? Right? Do we start this kid moving forward against a team like Minnesota who got beat today against Illinois? Is this is this the point in time where where we start to make that adjustment? Have we seen enough out of this kid to where we think, all right, he can play, he can help us win games moving forward? Right? Do do we make that move? Because Tom, now you you've fallen behind significantly in the East. Right? No, I don't think anybody expects Michigan to lose now moving forward. Ohio State's certainly not going to lose moving forward. Right, so if you're Penn State, you're on the outside looking in now. So what do you do? What do you do with Drew Allar? What do you do with Sean Clifford? Outside of the quarterback situation, because I've talked about it before, I, I think James Franklin is going to run with Sean Clifford until the wheels fall off. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is until there's an injury where you have to make the change. So I fully expect to see Sean Clifford, if he's able to play and if he's cleared for, for Minnesota, that he's, he's the guy. What do you do off of a loss of this magnitude and you're heading back into practice this week? Because you can, as we're talking about in this very podcast, so many things went wrong. You can cast blame on everybody that stepped on the field and put on a headset that weekend. Where, where do you start to rebuild? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's hard to get over the fact that you just got beat by Michigan and it's hard, Tom, to not look down the road. And say, well, right now, you know, we're third in the East. Michigan's ahead of us. Ohio State's ahead of us. You know, we, we have our work cut out for us. We've put ourselves in in a very difficult position. We've backed ourselves into the corner here where, you know, we have to beat a good Minnesota football team. And I know they've lost Illinois um, this past week. I know they had a tough loss early in the year. Um, we still have to play Ohio State. Um, you know, Something has to change, though, Tom. Whether it's something in the schedule, something offensively, right? Because you as a player now know that what you've been doing is not working because you just got beat that bad on the road. So if I show up Monday to work, Tom, it's like we're still doing the same thing. Well, that doesn't really make much sense to me. 
because what we've been doing clearly isn't good enough. Yeah, it might have been good enough to beat Purdue, to beat Ohio, to beat Central Michigan, to beat Auburn, to beat Northwestern, but it's not good enough to beat Michigan. So for me as a player, why are we going to continue to do the same thing here at practice week in and week out? Something has to change. I'm not saying it needs to be something drastic. Schedule needs to change. Practice needs to change a little bit. Maybe the way you watch film, the way you work out, the way you lift, the way you condition. Something small needs to change is to say, all right, guys, we got beat against a good Michigan football team. What we've been doing hasn't working. Let's make an adjustment here moving forward. Let's correct ourselves. Let's bounce back. We've got a tough Minnesota team coming to town, white out, crowd's going to be electric, right? Let's hit the reset button. Let's bounce back. Let's focus on the task at hand. Let's beat Minnesota. Let's move forward to Ohio State, Tom. But again, something small has to change for this football team to change the mentality. Looking ahead at the remainder of the season, it's just murky now after this Michigan game because sure. of the fashion in which you lost. Had this been a, a close loss, you'd feel better. You know, you're competitive with one of the best teams in America. Next week, home against Minnesota in a whiteout, as you mentioned. Um, that's on ABC at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And then Halloween weekend on the 29th, um, that'll be noon on Fox. Big noon kickoff will be there for Penn State versus Ohio State. Based on what we just saw against Michigan, uh, I, you don't feel terribly enthused about that just because you know Ohio State, while they don't run the football exactly to the same uh, level of productivity as Michigan, they can still run the ball, and then it's an aerial assault from C.J. Stroud and company that is going to be rough to deal with. Then you're at Indiana November 5th. You're home against Maryland, which you and I have talked about. That's a good team uh, on November 12th. You're on the road at Rutgers, and then you finish the season against Michigan State, who you lost to last season. Uh, but is having a rough year. Let's start with this upcoming Minnesota game, and we'll get more into it in our full preview later on in this week. The thing that's you know encouraging is at least you know Minnesota stumbled, uh, lost to Purdue, lost to Illinois, um, losing at Illinois. There's a couple things to take away from it, and that Illinois is the number two defense in America. Uh, yeah. Brett Bielema has done a fabulous job. They hadn't given up a touchdown at home uh, until this past weekend against Minnesota. Um, there's uh, some questions at quarterback with Tanner Morgan's health, so we'll, we'll take, keep an eye on that as the week goes by. Um, but Mo Ibrahim came back into the lineup and had about 150 yards rushing against one of the best yeah. defenses in America. He's so big it, time. He is big time. So it begs the question, you just gave up 418 yards rushing to Michigan. Mm. Now you have to deal with Ibrahim of the Golden Gophers. How's that going to go? Well, that game does not look as easy as it did during the bye week now, Tom. It, it's amazing how fast things change in the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. that, that, I mean, that's why I love Big Ten football week in a week out, how fast things change, how your thoughts on these teams change. Week in and week out. You look at Minnesota, they get beat by Purdue. You think to yourself, okay, Minnesota's human. But still remember, that's a good, very good uh, Purdue football team that beat Minnesota. They lose to Illinois. You think to yourself, really? They lose to Illinois. But wait, let me look. Illinois, Illinois has... Illinois is very Penn good. State is lucky to not be playing Illinois this yes. year because the mismatch is the same thing you just got done dealing with with Michigan. They're very I fortunate. Illinois is a very good football team. So it's kind of like oh, you don't get a break here in between Michigan and Ohio State. You have your work cut out for you 
against this Minnesota football team. And let me tell you this, if you're Kirk Shiraka, Tom, I, I would have had this game scheduled since the day I signed my name on the line to be the next offensive coordinator at Minnesota. I can't wait to get back to Penn State. I can't wait to play Penn State. This is personal for me. The, what they've done to me, what they've done to me when I was there as an offensive coordinator, the way they treated me as an offensive coordinator, the way they put the blame on me as an offensive coordinator after one year and fired me after they brought me in, after they called me to say come to town and be the new offensive coordinator at Penn State. I can't wait to prove to this team, to prove to this organization, to to, to prove to everybody in the stands that I'm a big time offensive coordinator. You're telling me. He's not preaching that this week to his football team. They've got their work cut out for him. Again, against one of the better running back rooms, Tom. Not just one of the better running backs in the library room, but one of the better back, better running back rooms in all of the Big Ten. This is, this is going to be a massive game moving forward for Penn State because, Tom, the last thing you want to do coming off a of bye week is go loss, loss, loss. And clearly looking at Ohio State and what they've done and where Penn State is right now after this Michigan game, you can't help but think they're going to be massive underdogs against Ohio State. And the possibility of going loss, 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 lost to Michigan, lost to Minnesota. Lost very to Ohio real now. State, very real. It was real before the Michigan game. Before the Michigan game, it felt like you could go on the road and hang with Michigan again, Michigan, and not necessarily had a stiff competition. So you felt... We both felt a degree of positivity, but it was still 50-50, and we found out how that gets rewarded. Now, Minnesota, that's a very different ball game. Winnable game, I still think for Penn State, again, home field advantage in a whiteout, that's going to be much bigger. And I do expect Manny Diaz to turn things up from what we saw this past weekend and really apply, apply the pressure as almost coming out emotionally in, in this game against Minnesota. Um, there, there's just nothing that feels like a given the rest of the season after this performance against Michigan. I, I want to come back to something that you and I have talked about since we started this podcast. On the very first episode of this podcast, I brought forward uh, the comments by James Franklin from back in 2018 after a loss to Ohio State at home. We've been a good football program. We can be a great football program. We're not an elite football program. You love that. I I love it and I hate it. Four <laughs> years later, that se that sentence is still true, and the fatigue for you know fans with James Franklin continues to rise. And you and I talked about on the preview episode for this is that his buyout right now is gigantic. I do not expect the university to cut bait with him unless something absolutely goes drastic, and, and unless Penn State loses every game the rest of the way, there is no way they eat that sum of money no matter what he's doing. But you talk about a change has got to happen. What is the top-down change that James yeah. Franklin has to start with this <sighs> week? Well, th th Tom, that's a great question. Um, wow. You know, our, our, let me say this. Are P.J. Fleck and James Franklin the same coach, West and East? Oh, and just in terms of production and such? Yeah, I mean... Built on a lot of hype. Kind of similar. A little bit. <laughs> kind of similar in a way. Look, no, I, I mean, look, it's one of those things, Tom, where it's like, yeah, we we know <sighs> you, you win the Big Ten in 2016. Penn State fans have held on to that. They certainly have. They've expected that year in and year out. I've expected it 
you know, from, from Penn state, that that's the expectation at Penn state year in and year out is to beat Michigan, to beat Ohio state, to make a push for the big 10 championship game. And now to make a push for the college football playoff. You haven't been the, the days, Tom of winning the games you're supposed to win and losing the games that, you know, you're supposed to lose that, 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 that's not good enough anymore. The nine win seasons, the 10 win seasons at Penn state. That's, it's great, but it's not, it's not good enough anymore, especially when you preach NIL, you preach recruiting. When you put yourself in that CEO type role, if you want to do that, then you don't go to Ann Arbor and lose 41-17. You don't get beat by Minnesota in the whiteout game this week. You don't lose in two weeks to Ohio State. If you want Penn State to become that, you need to win big-time football games. You need to win at the end of the day. That's all that matters. And I'll go, I'll go back to what we that podcast we did, Tom, about when Franklin was talking about, I need $13 million to compete with Team X. Mm. Team X being Ohio State, obviously. Well, man, if you want that, beat Ohio State, beat Michigan, beat Minnesota. You, you can't. You haven't. You just got beat. It wasn't, it wasn't even almost it wasn't competitive. It really wasn't. And I mean, nothing against Manny Diaz because I think he's done a great job. But he had no answer. Michigan did whatever we, we talked about what they were going to do, Tom. Go back and look at go. If you're listening to this right now, go back and listen to the preview episode. They were going to be patient. They were going to run the football. JJ McCarthy was going to find completions, find completions, find completions, put drives together. Penn State barely had the football mm-hmm. throughout the first two quarters. That's what they were going to do. You had two weeks to prep for it. You, you had no answer for it. So uh, what needs to change, Tom? A lot. <laughs> and, and again, you know, it, it's, it's certainly frustrating because I think, listen, I thought they had a chance of winning that football game. I really did. Talent alone. The talent is there, Tom. That's not a problem. It's never a problem. It's the game plan. What's the game plan going to be? Is it the right game plan for that type of game? And can you execute it? They didn't. What I hope to see, and I'll start with the offense, is Mike Yurcich needs to consolidate the playbook in regards to doing things that Sean Clifford is capable of doing, which admittedly, is not gigantic. He is a smart quarterback, but there are too many instances where he's put in situations where he's throwing passes that are not his forte. Uh, we talked about it, the, the 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 corner fade that I saw multiple times in this game, low percentage throw on a third and short passing situation. I, I do not understand for the life of me who thinks Sean Clifford's going to make that pass. Uh, the deep bomb to Harrison Wallace was fortunate. Um, the fourth and six where you should have punted, but you took low, a timeout. Low percentage throws. Low, low percentage, percentage throws that Sean can't make and then also didn't have the time to make and isn't setting his feet to step into the throws. You've got to find ways to get the ball out of his hands quickly. One read, two read, take off. Think about what Florida did back in the day with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Really simplify this offense. That doesn't necessarily mean make sure Sean Clifford runs it a ton or anything, but 
re-emphasize the running game. Make this passing game simpler. Get your guys in space because guys like Tinsley and Washington, Harrison Wallace, Keandre Lambert-Smith, they can win in space. They just need to get open. You can't have these long, meandering crossing routes that everybody knows are coming. And then on the defensive side of the ball, like I just said moments ago, I fully expect Manny Diaz to hammer the concept of tackling and executing tackling drills more and more and more this week so that they come out so angry against Minnesota that this defense is flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I do expect to see more blitzes against Minnesota, but we'll see if they make, they make those changes. You, know? you got to stop the running again this week, Tom. Yeah, so, again. But, but that's, that's really well said, Tom. It, it really is. And I, I go back to, you know, again, I'll, I'll give you the Penn State comparison 2012 with Bill O'Brien. We ran a lot of the same stuff, a lot of the same concepts, a lot of the same plays. But what we did so well, shifts, adjustments. We may have a tight end run this route. We may have the Z receiver, the X wide receiver, the F tight end. It was just, it was dressing. But for a quarterback mentally, it's the same thing. It's the same read. It's the same progression. It just looks different to the defense, Tom. Everybody's able to play fast. Nobody's out there thinking, right? And I, I just... I, I, you're right. Simplify what they're doing. And that's what, that's what we called for early in this game, especially what works well for you and what doesn't do what works well. Heck, Michigan did it all day. Mm -hmm. You knew what to expect. They did it. You couldn't stop it. Lean into your bread and butter. Penn State drops its first game of the year on the road at Michigan by a score of 41 to 17. It's time to regroup next weekend on Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It's a whiteout. Penn State hosts Minnesota. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037 at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.